Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach repping the South, Coach Brian Jackson. What's up, guys? You are listening to Episode 5 of the 4th Down Experience Podcast. This show will be legendary because we will be having a legendary guest on this show. Chris, I am so excited. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing? Thanks for listening to the 5th episode here. Yes, Brian, I am super excited for this interview. We have lined up a legend, a longtime kicker in the NFL, um, if you followed us on our Instagram post, we were asking you for who you thought it was going to be, and, and a few people guessed it right, and a few people guessed it wrong. So, Brian, why don't you tell us, the audience, who it's going to be? Yes, uh, the few guys that did comment on the 4th Down Experience Instagram were correct. Uh, I think one person was incorrect, but the three or four that did comment, you're right, it's Matt Bryant. He's a 16-year NFL veteran, uh, currently playing for the Falcons. Most of you know that. Um, and I am so excited. I, I, I know Chris is to have him on this podcast and interview him and, and see what he has to say. That's right. So promised a shout out. So congratulations, Ryan Novosel. You were one of the guys that guessed him. So congratulations. Good job, Ryan. So we're excited to get to this interview, guys. Um, obviously, Matt Bryan's got a busy schedule. So we're going to talk quickly about a few highlights from just this last weekend. And then we just want to move right in and give Matt Bryan a call. So, um, first of all, let's talk about the weekend. How was the weekend for you, Brian? Yeah, the weekend was good. We just had our kicking camp, um, our sixth annual Southern Specialist Camp. uh, And it was held in Petal, Mississippi. Uh, It's right next to Hattiesburg. And, man, it was just an interesting experience. Uh, Anytime you're kind of faced with adversity, and in this situation, this was cold weather with snow and, and even a little bit of ice. You know, uh, God was with us, and we, we ended up um, having a very successful camp, and I really think a lot of that uh, was contributed because of the positive mindset that not only the staff had, but as well as the campers. It was just an excellent camp and pedal with, with high school kids and JUCO kids. Yeah, I'd say it was one for the ages. You know, um, we had a lot of coaches come in, flying for the camp, and because of the weather in the south, it had snowed the night before. And there were three. In- there was three inches of snow on the high school field that we were going to play on, and Brian and I were kind of wondering what we were about to do, and and uh, hoped, cross our fingers, that the snow was going to melt. And of all the staff prep that we ended up doing, um, we were able to clear the field, and you guys did a great job prepping for it. My flight, coincidentally, was uh, delayed and canceled, and I had to find a different way to get down, and, and got there just in time for the camp. So, ended up being great. You know, every year we always say we had a great camp, but every year I think these camps just get better. We get more fine-tuned, and, man, the, the kids there were great. Uh, a lot of positive feedback just within that last 24 hours of it ending. And uh, had a phenomenal staff of people involved, so so that was great. So, yeah, and if you guys uh, want to check out some really cool videos, uh, our media director for, for our camps, uh, Joey Keener, um, he, he did some really sweet videos. I think he did, like, four videos 
uh, during the camp, and and that that's kind of unheard of in the industry. Um, but it, it was really sweet to see those those nice videos of the guys. And again, kudos to the kids that that uh, did well and and came and and didn't quit. And, you know, they came and, and they knew it was going to be 30 degrees, 35 degrees, and with a little bit of snow on parts of the field, and, the, and they still came. No one, no one did not come because of the snow or the weather. And uh, the, the ironic thing was, Chris, is during, that, during the second day of our camp that we had some snow at our kicking camp, coincidentally, there was an NFL game going on with Adam Vinatieri that actually had snow. Yeah, it was incredible. So let's talk about that. That was going to be one of our major highlighting points before we roll into this interview and give Matt a call. So, Brian, why don't you lead into the scenario and the setup of this camp? Because it was, it's going to go down as one for the ages for sure. Right. So Adam Vinatieri has a great history, uh, obviously, for everything he's done in, in his career. And, and he, he's definitely known for the Super Bowl kicks, but especially those those kicks that he hit in the snow against the Raiders and that, that helped him advance to the, to the next round you know he got his chance to do that again um in his career this past weekend and actually uh one of the parents just just came up to me before the camp ended and, and showed me a video of a vanitary making this kick and there was just a ton of snow they were playing the bills and at the moment at that time um it was seven to six and it was a 33 yard extra point because that's where the extra point mark is in the nfl and there was a 15 yard penalty added so if you do the math you know, 33. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was a 10-yard penalty. I apologize. So, you know, then it got bumped back to a 43-yard extra point attempt. And uh, just from watching the videos from different angles, it wasn't like just a little bit of snow. I mean, I think I want to say they said that it was like four to five inches of snow on the field. Yeah, it looked pretty thick. You know, so what was pretty cool was seeing all of the linemen and Rigo, the holder, getting in there and, and just scraping off with their feet and then I think maybe there was a timeout called, and, and they went in there again. Even the, even the equipment managers and the trainers got out there, and, and the refs had to tell them to go back. And that was pretty cool to see uh, Adam's uh, teammates get in there and help him just the best of their ability. And, you know, the kick was, was awesome because um, just from watching the videos, I, I, I wasn't able to see where the flags were at the time. Now I am. And uh, the, the, the wind was just going right to left, hardcore. So when I first saw the video, I saw him kick it like five yards outside the right upright. And so I didn't know where the wind was going. So I'm thinking, oh, no, he's going to miss it. And this thing just curved right back in, and, and he made it and forced overtime. Yeah, what's interesting is you can see some of the Buffalo fans almost celebrating, or sorry, Buffalo players celebrating a little bit because it appears that that ball was going to be missed, and it just curves right in. And that's just sort of the magical mystique of Adam Venturi. If you haven't seen the video, guys, go check it out. We'll probably tweet about it here tonight. Um, but let's just uh, bring this up as a teaching tool. You ever get that chance to play in snow, it's in your best advantage, guys, to clear off as much space as you can on the ground in the plant spot where you're about to make contact with the ball and even that path from the start starting spot to your kick. Um, you know, in Minnesota, I watched a few games here where there was snow and and those are the things you; those are the little things you want to do to give yourself that winning edge. So, uh, another interesting fact that I found uh, about Adam Vinatieri as I was just researching the kick a little bit more, he happened to have a clause in his contract that says he will earn a five hundred thousand dollar bonus if he makes ninety percent of his field goals at the end of the season. So, going into this game, he was twenty two for twenty three, 
on his field goals, which is 95.7%. He ended up going 0 for 2 on field goals in this game, dropping him down to 22 of 25, which drops him just below 88% or at 88%. So he's got three games left, and he essentially has to go at least 5 for 5 or better in the final three games just to make a half million dollar bonus, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, and I think to anyone, that's a lot of money. Um, so, you know, and just getting to meet Adam last year at the Super Bowl, doing a, a video with him and all that, getting to know him there for about 30 minutes. He He's just, you know, just straight black and white guy. Like, he just straight to the cuff, like, you know, very genuine, um, very likable. But, uh, like, I, had, I, I even asked him, I said, so, you know, how many more years do you think you're going to do this? You know, got, a, like, one more. He's like, well, to get all those records, I need to go probably about two more years. So it was just kind of cool because, like, he just, just straight up answered me, straight, and I can just see him, you know, him being asked this week by media, like, hey, so you got to go perfect and make X amount of kicks the rest of the season to make that 500 grand. I, I could see him just being probably responding, it's just going to be another day for me, another another chance to, to help my team win and, and make my kicks. I'm not thinking about money and all that stuff. So I, I, that's just my assumption on how he would answer that question. Yeah, I think you're right. Um and Brian, I remember you telling me that story about your chance to meet him. What was the scenario, or the, you know, what were you doing with him exactly? Let's just tell the audience because it probably will will Google search it after this and look it up. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, because we're not doing top five in this segment today because we're about to um, call up Matt Bryant here soon, uh, so we can we can finish up on this little little topic. I won't I won't be too long, but yeah, I, um, with this whole social media thing, uh, you know, after doing a bunch of like trick shots on Instagram and. And getting getting random videos posted on major platforms, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me, and and probably one of my top three, if not top, sports moment in my life was I was actually invited by uh, a company called Barclay Card, um, or NFL Extra Points Rewards Card, and they actually uh, flew me to Houston um, to shoot video with Adam Vinatieri, Jay Feely, who is a former NFL kicker. Um, and also Ali Krieger, who's a U.S. women's national team player, and we played a game of horse, um, the three of us did, and then after that I got to do a trick shot uh, video with Adam Vinatieri. We did like five trick shots together, and I got to warm up with him and stretch with him and kick like 25-yard extra points with him, so it was just really cool. Um, obviously he didn't know who I was, which is expected, <laughs> but um, it obviously getting to stand there like in his presence and a guy that I looked up to my whole life kicking, uh, you know, it was very surreal, and I just definitely took in the moment and, and really enjoyed just sitting there stretching with him and just talking about <clears throat> talking about his cleats and talking about how he's how he's his body feels and he was just he was just awesome to work with um, and that was just a great experience. Yeah, you guys can look that up uh, on YouTube or, or on Instagram and just type in Google Adam Vinatieri, Brian Jackson, NFL extra points. Um, but that, that's what we did last summer or last uh, Super Bowl, and it was great. Nice. Well, sweet. So before we call up Matt here, what would I? What we wanted to do, guys, is, is hopefully you got a chance to hear our fourth episode. We had interviewed uh, Peter Mortel. Uh, he is the president and founder of the Holder of the Year Award, which uh, if you let, go back and listen to the interview, you're going to get a lot of insight about how it went about him creating that, which essentially started out like a, as a little bit of a joke, just for fun, giving highlight to the holders. And then it snowballed into a relationship with ESPN. So if you watched the college award ceremony uh, just this last Thursday, 
you'll see they actually announced the third recipient of the Peter Mortel Holder of the Year Award uh, ended up being uh, backup quarterback Connor McGinnis of the Oklahoma Sooners. And um, Nice. So it's pretty sweet. So we will retweet uh, the post and the announcement on our Twitter account at 4th Down Experience. So look it up here. If you're not familiar with him, you should check it out. He gave a, a really nice acceptance speech. Um, and if you want to hear and get some insight uh, about that interview with Peter Martell, a little bit of background. That guy developed a very good legacy uh, punting for the Minnesota Gophers and then also spent the whole uh, preseason with the Green Bay Packers. And, and that kid's a, he's a hometown guy for that area. So he talked about all these experiences and then gave some great insight as to how he maintains his leg, how, what he does and how he trains in the offseason to be as good as he is. So uh, some some great insight there. So just go back and listen to the fourth episode as well. Yeah, so what's interesting about these podcasts, got the stats up here before we call Matt. Uh, it looks like he just buzzed in and he's ready. So let's just talk about these stats real quick. Um, we're at a total of 650 on the dot, 650 listeners, which is unreal going into episode five. And guys, we really appreciate your support. We hope that you're um, listening to these podcasts, especially the industry advice, because we're giving a lot of really valuable information to you guys. And what's awesome about this is we have potential to hit 1,000 views or 1,000 plays or listeners after this podcast uh, that we're going to have with Matt Bryant. We would really appreciate it, uh, especially after you take a listen, to retweet it, repost it, share the SoundCloud link, share the iTunes link, uh, and, and let's get this to 1,000 plays. Uh, we would really appreciate that, um, especially just you know all the great information that we're trying to give you, including at the end of uh, this podcast, Chris and I are going to talk about how you guys can find college football coaches for recruiting, which I think is going to be huge, an industry advice piece. Yeah, so what you guys probably didn't realize yet, and I'm, I know Brian knows about this, but we have become an international worldwide podcast on special teams. Yep. It's really incredible, you know, the statistics and analytics we're able to see. Obviously, the United States is our biggest following. We have listeners in the United Kingdom, which is the England area, Canada, Japan, Germany, Mexico, Finland, Spain, Australia. We have one listener out of Brazil, so thank you for that listener. Obrigado. But um, just people from all over, the Russian Federation. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's incredible to watch these stats. Yeah. See who's listened. So I guess we are a worldwide international podcast, so thank you, everybody, for the support. And our most listened I guess you would say, uh, our most viewed by the ear uh, podcast so far is episode um, three with uh, Will Lutz, the Saints kicker, thus far. Um, so, But again, uh, once we get this thing pubbed out, please retweet it, share it, tell a friend, and let's let's get us an extra 350 listens and let's get to 1K. All right, cool. Um, Chris, you, you ready to uh, – uh, Matt's ready, so you ready? Yep, I'm ready. You want to give him a ring? Leading into our second segment, we have a great one for you guys today. He's played in the NFL for 16 seasons, uh, Pro Bowl in 2016. We're so excited to have Matt Bryant on the show. Matt Bryant, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm good. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great, Matt. Thanks for being a part of the Fourth Down Experience, and uh, thank you for your time as well. 
Yeah, Matt's uh, having a, a, a good season among the 16 seasons that he's had. Uh, um, he's 24 for 28 right now for the Falcons. Uh, team's doing fairly well. And um, we uh, before we get into the NFL stuff, uh, I know we wanted to talk about with you, Matt, um, your prep level that you played at, uh, I believe, potentially in, in Texas. And uh, maybe just talk about, you know, uh, where you played at in high school and even in college. Okay. Uh, well, so I grew up in a little town in Texas, uh, southeast Texas, uh, Bridge City. Um, I played, uh, so I, I was, you know, obviously I kicked and I punted, but I also played middle linebacker uh, in high school. Um, nice. And from, so from, from there, I went, I signed, I actually signed a scholarship to play baseball at Panola Junior College. Um, but they didn't have football. Uh, so I signed with Panola probably like in March of my senior year. And then about in May, another school came and approached me, Trinity Valley Junior College. And they asked me to come play football, but they didn't have baseball there. Uh, so I talked with two coaches, and uh, they allowed me to actually I played football at Trinity Valley. And then at midterm, I transferred to Panola played baseball. And then I transferred back to Trinity Valley and, and played there for a second season. Um, oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, my, my two years there, I was Juco All-American. Um, and then from there, I signed with Oregon State. And I went there, I went to Oregon State to play, uh, uh, actually played football and baseball. Um, I got a little homesick, um, and I ended up transferring to Baylor where I finished out. So what was the recruiting process like for you back in that time frame? You know, we're, we're all kind of about the same age, you know, or at least you, I think you and I are, you know, things have changed a lot over the 10 years. So what was it like going through that recruiting process for you at that point? Well, for, for me, it was tough in the sense of, um, at, at the time in high school, my, my team, we weren't very good. Uh, so I didn't really have a lot of kicks. Uh, on film to really be evaluated because, uh, you know, we were behind all the time, so we were always having to go for it, you know, fourth down or whatever to try to catch up. Uh, so, um, so I didn't really have, I didn't have a very good, uh, I guess, elaborate recruiting deal. Uh, TCU was probably the, was looking like the best situation for me to go through out of high school. And um, they ended up signing uh, the uh, the kicker from Trinity Valley, which was the school that I ended up going to, so I kind of replaced the guy that uh, TCU had picked up. Nice, nice. It's it's cool to hear um, that you went through the JUCO route, and uh, and obviously you know going away from home, you know up into the, into the Northwest, and then getting homesick. You know that happens all the time with kids right now in college, and I guess just hearing like your personal testimony of of going the JUCO route and going to another school and transferring and, and you've been playing in the league for so many years, I think that would give kids hope, you know, because there's a lot of kids that Chris and I work with right now that, you know, they transfer maybe after the first year, you know, and so I think that's... Yeah. Well, I, you know, for me, how, how I took it was, you know, the, the main thing was where... Not necessarily how you started, but where you ended up. Where you end up, and you know where I wanted to be was 
Uh, obviously, I wanted to make you know, I wanted to be pro in either football or baseball, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I I looked at JUCO as a stepping stone to. Um, there's, you know, it, it, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. It didn't mean that I was that I wasn't as good as the other guys that went to D one and so forth. I mean, obviously, sixteen years in the NFL, you know. Right. Um, but I I approached it as a stepping stone to get to where ultimately where I wanted to be, and uh, and so it was, you know, it was a good experience. I had a lot of fun uh, at my junior college. Yeah. Uh, what's pretty cool here, just just uh, you know, and I'm I'm just telling you the truth right here, Matt. Just looking at Wikipedia, is um, you know after after college uh, and not being selected in the 1999 draft, um, you know you you had a little short stint with uh, the AFL with the Barnstormers. Uh, yeah, one preseason game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I played my my little niche was arena ball, so it's cool to at least see that in the bio. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it was a, the arena game wasn't for me, um, no, really, no matter what, just because, uh, you know, like for me, like I like to kick in the net, uh, get a bunch of kicks in before I go, kind of like warm up. Right. And, and, and I mean, at least for me, you know, like there's nowhere to warm up. You just go out there and kick. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it, it would have been tough for me to have gone that route overall so uh chris yeah. maybe um i think you had a question about nfl europe for matt yeah so so matt so you know i'm i'm 36 so when i was kind of in the prime of my younger years you know i followed everything pretty heavily and and you know even remember collecting football cards that were nfl europe cards so i i i was always intrigued by by that league and loved the teams and the logos and you know just it was different than the nfl what what was your experience like being a part of you know NFL Europe and what was that process like to get on the team and you know and, and, and who kind of you know was there a team that recommended you go there or did you just go to a trial what was just that experience like so so it, so how NFL Europe worked was you had to be allocated by an NFL team and uh, so my team I was with I had signed with the New York Giants. So I was with the Giants, and they allocated me. Uh, so what happened was the all the teams, you know, they can, they're allowed to allocate X amount of players. Uh, so and I and at that time, I want to say there's probably about sixteen kickers from different teams uh, and, and punters, uh, and then you had the national guys. Um, so, and how it worked back then, the national guys, um, which would be, you know, like your guys from Europe, from Germany, and Amsterdam, and uh, Spain, Scotland, wherever, right. uh, they would they'd kick the extra points and the short field goals, uh, and then your your American guys would kick the uh, mid-range, the longer field goals, and usually the kickoffs. Uh, so anyway, so we would all go down to Tampa, um, and basically we had a week-long... So NFL Europe, all the teams had like a training camp, so to speak, um, there in Tampa. Uh, and the kickers, we so everybody else was there was kind of on a team except for the kickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we worked by ourselves for about a week uh, being evaluated and, and I guess getting graded. And um, 
and then we was going to go into kind of our own separate draft. Well, I, how it was working out from what I was being told that I was, um, I guess I was going to be the first pick of those guys. Uh, and I ended up with uh, Berlin Thunder. Nice. Uh, so whenever, once we got to our team, then we, you know, we're still there in Tampa and about another week or two, uh, you know, they have practices and we have scrimmages before we leave to go to our respective cities or countries or whatever. And uh, I ended up hurting, uh, I hurt my quad pretty bad. Uh, so I didn't go with the team uh, to Berlin at the beginning of the season. I, actually, I went to Birmingham, Alabama and did my rehab there. Uh and so I, I was. I've missed. Um, I missed a bunch of games. Uh, I ended up going back to New York um, once uh, my rehab was done, which was actually probably about it was a couple months. And uh, and I'm, I'm. So whenever I was there, I was back in New York. Uh, Frankfurt actually uh, pulled me back. So I I flew out to Frankfurt, Germany, to play with uh, play with the Galaxy for like the last three or four games of that season. Okay. Nice. Did you get to play any away games out of those three or four games? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, so whenever I flew over there, uh, I flew over there the day before. No, actually, it was the, it was the day of the game against uh, Amsterdam. Wow. Yeah, so uh, the jet lag was pretty rough. Um, you know, it's like I got there. And then I was playing in a game. Uh, Amsterdam was, uh, the stadium was really nice. Uh, let's see. Played in, and then the last game of the year, we went to Berlin. And we actually played in Berlin, which was a, uh, um, that was a neat experience. So the stadium was in the city. Your better teams over there at that time was Frankfurt and Ryan. Um, so you would have probably about 40,000 people at their games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all the other uh, Berlin wasn't that really it wasn't that I guess extravagant so you maybe have maybe about 10,000 people there uh, Amsterdam was probably about 15, 20,000 um, there was a different experience you know for them it was like a party in the stands it, was, uh, it wasn't necessarily a football game at the time uh, <laughs> you know they had they had the glow sticks going dancing around uh, you know, they uh, it, it was it was a whole different kind of atmosphere kind, for sure. Kind of like a soccer match. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, no. like I said, I mean, it was. You look, you look up at the stands, and I mean, it was like a concert <laughs> with, with the dance and everything going around. Nice. So, so obviously, you flew back and forth. It seemed like on game days and things like that. So, did you get a chance to sort of tour Europe or sort of soak in kind of just the, the culture and the lifestyle of, of Europe and see some of the sights? Yeah. Well. Yeah, so, you know, first game was there in Amsterdam, and then from there we went back to, you know, Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, so while I was there in Frankfurt, I got to spend a couple of weeks there, uh, and I got to go out and see the countryside, um, you know, uh, which was beautiful out there. Uh, I got to see a few castles, uh, got to ride on the Audubon, um, you know, going in a, nice. in a cab, 100, 110 miles an hour is a different kind of experience. Uh, That's awesome. But the uh, you know there there was a uh, kind of like a fan 
a fan group there of the Galaxy, which was really, you know, they were really a great bunch of people. I got to go to like a picnic and just kind of experience a little bit of their culture, uh, get to know some of the fans, and uh, you know, it was it was fun. I had a I had a really good time, and, and like you know, going to see the castle uh, one time uh, was a great experience, and just to see a little bit of history and. Uh, and you know, in the trip when we went to Berlin, we rode up there on the train, and you get to see you know there's there's still some buildings that they've left uh, standing that you know still have like the craters or shell holes from you know from the planes uh, dropping bombs on them and stuff like wow. that, and, and a little bit of the Berlin Wall too as well. Nice. So Matt, as we as we transition you back to the states and and get get your NFL career going um, back in the states. Uh, I had a question here. This is kind of like, um, you know, more so, a, you know, you were kicking in high school and playing baseball and, and then college as well and, and going pro. You know, for guys like uh, Chris and I, um, Chris looked up to, I think, Morton Anderson. And, and I looked hey, up to Gary, – Gary Anderson was my, my – he was my kicking idol. My bad, Gary. Um, and then uh, like yeah. you and Vinatieri were guys that I looked up to. Was there anyone that, um, that you particularly looked up to or even when you got in the league? Um, you know what? I mean, growing up, I mean, not really. I mean, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Tom Rathman or, or, uh, you know, a fullback or a linebacker. Um, mm-hmm. kicking was just always something I was good at. Um, but it wasn't like, like I want to be a kicker. Like it wasn't that kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but no. Once I got to the league, or just you know, uh, you know, it's just really honestly, it's just all about me. Uh, I just wanted to do the best that I could. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Uh, so, you know, I, I remember them watching guys play, um, but as far as like, you know, Mort, you know, obviously Mort was a great, uh, great kicker during his time. Um, the, the one name that I remember younger, you know, was, you know, Jan Stenerud. Um, mm-hmm. But um, as far as, like, trying to, like, emulate somebody, yeah, I, I didn't have that just because, you know, like I said, I wanted to be a linebacker, fullback or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so just to spin off that, then, you've obviously been in the league for a while. Have you developed some pretty good friendships with other kickers in the league that you stay in touch with or maybe train with in the offseason? Uh, well, you, you know, uh, from being it this long, uh, I mean, I, you, for the most part, you know, you just see guys, you know, before the game, uh, you get to know them a little bit and uh, I'm a PA rep for our team. So, you know, in the summertime, whenever we have our meetings, you know, I'll see, you know, I see Adam, um, you know, with us both being older and, you know, families and all that stuff, we have a lot in common. Uh, right. And there's other guys. I mean, you, um, for the most part, I don't, I mean, I don't train with anybody in the offseason other than just myself. Uh, mm-hmm. So whenever I, the relationships that I've made have just been like uh, before the game um, and just seeing some people uh, in the summertime and everything. But there's, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good guys out there. Um, yeah. So, uh, I've also met some, 
not so good guy too. But, <laughs> so, so Matt, but, I mean, you know, that, as you're going through your so career and, and you go through the Giants and the Colts and and then you then you then you get a nice little um, four you know four year stop in the at the Bucks. Um, the year uh-huh. the year that actually I finished my college year, uh, my college uh, career at Ball State was the year you hit this incredible um, game winning kick. I think you may know what I'm talking about. And um, can you kind of talk about that kick a little bit and uh, in the 2006 season, the, the very long one? Yeah, sure. So yeah, that day uh, you know, we're playing against Philly. Uh, we were up uh, pretty much all game, and then they they kind of made a comeback. And they scored a touchdown to go up by, I don't know, one or two, um, pretty late in the game with um, about a minute left or so. Uh, anyway, we, we drive down and I guess kind of set up that year and, and like right before that game, uh, I think we just played Tampa or something and I didn't have a very good game. Uh, or, I'm sorry. I think we played Atlanta and, uh, so it was kind of a rough year for me, uh, stat-wise, earlier on. So leading up into that game, I had made two. I'd already made two kicks that game, and you know was feeling uh, my stroke pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but I, I never even attempted uh, in practice or anything else. Uh, you know, sixty-two yards. I mean, it was it's, it was never really even a thought. It's, cool, it's cool to hear that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm on the side kicking in the net, and I hear somebody yell, Phil goal. And I remember thinking to myself, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, so I went out there. I'm like, you know, here I am. I'm going to be the sacrificial goat here. Uh, so when I got out there and – Probably the biggest thing that helped me the most was whenever they called timeout for the kid. Nice. Uh, it gave me it gave me a few extra seconds to think about it, uh, to have a game plan, um, to to give me the best chance I could to you know to be honest with you, I just wanted to make a res- I wanted to be respectable uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the kick. Uh, and the game in another game before. We were playing uh, somebody, I think it was Cincinnati. I, I can't remember who it was kicking at the time. It may have been Shane Graham. Uh, he had to attempt a, a, a big kick like that, a 60-something yarder at the end of the game. And I remember watching and thinking, I thought he planted, he, you know, you go at it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I felt like he, like, went past where his plant should be. Mm-hmm. And he, he ended up kind of kicking behind him which left the ball off to the right and then gave him a chance to like fully get into it. So it gave me a chance to think about that. So whenever I went to line up, I, you know, I took like an extra six inches back from where my feet would normally be mm-hmm. because I, just, I assume, you know, I'm going to go at this a little bit harder. So it's going to bring me further than what I normally go. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, with, 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 uh, them calling timeout gave me a chance to think about what I really needed to do, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously the kick worked out. That's awesome. that's awesome. I I think I remember that kick as well. And what's what's interesting is Brian and I a previous podcast we did we actually just discussed that is icing the kicker better or worse for the kicker, which which obviously we're on the kicker side of that where we think it just gives you more time to prep. But do you think coaches these days 
now just sort of have to feel like they're obligated to call timeout on that one chance that that kicker does miss? Do you think they're sort of obliged to it now? You know, I don't know. Cause, I mean, it can, it, you know, and to be honest with you, like, like I really don't even think about it. I, I don't even try to think about the, the philosophies behind it and all that stuff because, yeah. you know, whenever I go off the kick, the only thing I want to think about, I don't want to think about, you know, is there a chance you're going to call a timeout? Is he not going to call a timeout? You know, I just got to go out there. Yeah. True. Uh, I literally so, just said so, this. So for me, the idea is if you call a timeout, like I'm going to kick it regardless. Right. The only way I'm not going to kick it, and I'm still probably going to kick it, is if that ref walks in front of me, he better get out of the way. Or that ball's coming right out of the uh, Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, for me, it's just it's a chance to – it's to kick it and to, you know what, like if I hit a good kick, uh, it, it's that, that feeling, that sensation of, okay, this is what I did. You know, I want to repeat that type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not a good kick, then I, I can learn from it. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, for me, it's two kicks. Uh, once I go out there and that puts his hand on the ball, it's snap home kick. And then uh, whatever happens after that, if we have to do it again, then we'll do it again. Yeah. So for our, mm-hmm. for our listeners, especially our younger our younger listeners, this this particular kick we're referring to is was in 2006, and it was it was straight pandemonium because it because uh, you know it wasn't we weren't used to seeing 60 yard field goals in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, like all the time. You know, kind of like these uh-huh. days, we always see late you know like longer 50 yarder kicks, even sometimes some 60 yard kicks, but. Um, this is a 62-yarder that Matt hit to win the game, and it was just just from watching on the television as a young kid. It was just uh, straight euphoria, like just from watching as a fan. I couldn't even imagine how much adrenaline you had after you crushed that. Well, you know, I, I get asked about that kick all the time. You know, they, you know, it was like, what's going through your mind? Were you nervous? Were you this? I'm like, no way. I'm like, I wasn't supposed to make that kick. I had no <laughs> nerves at all. Um, and and the feeling I've, I've tried to describe is this is imagine sitting in a chair and you're hooked up to two bungee cords you know over the Grand Canyon and they pull you back as far as those, as far as those bungee cords will stretch and, and then and you know and the whole you know it's like my holder which was Josh Bidwell I remember him looking up at me. He's like, "You ready?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> uh, but it's like, and it's like, you know, it's like, like I said, sitting there in that chair, and somebody says, "Are you ready?" And then they all of a sudden they just cut the line and then shoot you out over the Grand Canyon. It's it's it was it was like that feeling of yeah. you know it was like just kick it and just amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Uh. Going going in from uh, the career that you had with the Bucks, and then obviously with the team that you're you're at now, the Falcons. You've been there since '09, and uh, an interesting stat. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Matt. Is uh, it looks it appears that you haven't had a kickoff attempt since '09. Is that is that still mm-hmm. true? Yeah. So whenever I got to Atlanta, uh, Michael Keenan was here, mm-hmm. uh, which he was the punter and and kickoff guy, and he was a uh, I would say he was probably the best kickoff guy at that time. Uh, so there was, you know, there was no reason 
kickoff was never has never really been my forte. So, uh, you know, while he was here, there was no reason for me to kick off because he was one of the best at it. And then whenever they let him go and drafted Bosher, uh, Bosher did all three at Miami. So, um, you know, again, young leg, mm-hmm. um, he, he was capable of doing that. So there was no reason for me to. Uh, there hasn't been any reason for me to kick off. It's been awesome because, I mean, for nine seasons, I mean, you've kind of revolutionized the game because, you know, I think Vinatieri was still kicking off for some of those years. But just, you know, revolutionize it where now coaches, even at the college level, you know, even like at Troy, for example, at one point at Troy University, they had a guy doing one for each position skill set. So one kickoff guy, one field goal guy, one punt guy. So now nine seasons you've been the field goal guy at and now it kind of shows coaches like, all right, cool, maybe we can have a punt kickoff guy and a field goal guy. So has that has that kind of like helped you out or where you can just focus strictly on field goals? Well, I, I would say, I mean, um, I, I would say that for me not kicking off has helped uh, in like from a health standpoint of, you know, just that's one less kick that you have to kick and uh, – so I, I think it's probably helped me stay in the game a little bit longer. Um, you know, the more, I mean, do I, of course you want to be in the game as much as you can. Uh, I mean, I, I miss uh, not doing kickoffs, but uh, from a sense of just like being a part of the game. Um, but I mean, I, I would say though, the more, the more that you can do, the better off you are. Uh, but, I mean, not kicking off, I would say, has helped me. But it, it does um, – I, I would say that if you're not going to kick off, then you better be pretty consistent in making your field goals. Yeah, well, that's great. So, so obviously, you, you feel like that's been a, a helpful tool in the longevity of your career. What are, what are some body maintenance things? Like, how do you take care of your body over that course of that time? Like, what are, what are some things that have helped you? Um, the, the thing for me has been, and, and I would, uh, you know, younger, earlier on in my career when I was younger, you know, I used to lift with every, I mean, I, like I was in the weight room all the time, lifting and doing this and doing that. Um, just, and, and, and I've noticed though that, I've, you know, I, I've gotten stronger, uh, on my kicks and everything, um, as I, as I, you know, these last five, six, eight years or whatever. Um, but I've toned down my lifting. Uh, I, you know, I'm not trying to set any records anymore. Um, you know, I, I think you have to, you, each person is different. You got to kind of find out what your thing is. Um, you don't want to overdo it. I think I did that uh, earlier on in my career, um, but you know, there's you know, I've as I've gotten older though, you start doing uh, you know, massages are really big. Uh, um, getting in, um, I've, I've, my body's done well getting in a hyperbaric chamber. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously doing the icing and stuff like that. Uh, but I would say if I if I had to do it all over again, if I had to tell you know young Matt Bryant uh, what he needs to be doing, 
I would concentrate more on uh, your core um, nice. and, and, and really focus on that aspect. But as far as my lifting and everything goes, I, uh, you know, I, I do the same thing that everybody else does, but I, you know, I kind of alter my stuff uh, to not mess with my back or, you know, just not to overdo it. Uh, another thing would be, too, is, um, you know, doing kicks in a pool. Um, there you go. That way you have, you have a, a constant resistance um, in your motion, but you still, you know, so I, I, I do that for strengthening uh, exercise. Awesome. What, one of the stats uh, that I like about you, Matt, and, and this is including when they changed the extra point from 20 yards to 33 yards, um, is that you've only missed five extra points in your whole career. And for folks that are tuning in or have listened, this is, we're talking about 16 seasons here, um, 513 out of 518 pats. Um, when, when that, when they moved that from 20 to 33, um, and you could pick the left or, or right pro or just stick in the middle, what was like your thought process on this? Uh, did you have a different type of strategy? Um, no, you know, I, I treated it just like it was when it was 20 yards. Uh, and, you know, I just stayed right in the middle. Um, uh, if there's, if there's a strong wind, um, if we're playing outside and there's strong wind somewhere, um, I may move over to the left hash, mm -hmm. but for the most part, I would say 99% of the time I'm, I'm dead set in the middle. Awesome. Uh, well, that's great. So that's question here. So you made it the pro bowl recently. Um, what was that experience like? So that was last. That was last season, right? I'm doing my math right. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, after you know, at that time, 15 years, I finally made it to the Pro Bowl. That's awesome. And I had to skip it because I was at the Super Bowl. Ah, yeah. That's right. Oh, geez. Well, totally congratulations, Phil. I'm both honors, you know, and, and experiences. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. No, it was. Uh, totally forgot. But it was a. Uh, you know, just uh, just the thought that I made it, and uh, and, uh, and probably the biggest thing for me too was from a sense of that I earned it. Yeah. Because uh, mm -hmm. there's there's been times in the past where, uh, to be honest with you, stats showing I, I should have gone probably two, maybe three other times, mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't I wasn't necessarily a household name. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but knowing the kind of year that I had and that I earned it, um, I was real. I was real proud of that. So Matt, we got probably like three more questions here for you, and then you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And um, other than playing, you know, in the new dome there in Atlanta, what are um, some of your favorite stadiums or your favorite stadium you you played at uh, in the states? So yeah. Um, I've liked going back to play uh, um, there in Dallas. Uh, I like the old stadium and the new stadium. Uh, I feel like the ball travels well in there. Um, and, you know, it's always good to go back to Texas to, uh, you know, to just see family and friends. For sure. Um, trying to think. That, that stadium, uh, for whatever reason, that jumps out uh, to my, in my mind as far as playing somewhere, 
because I like how the ball travels in there. It travels really good in there. Uh, you know, obviously, like, I always like to go to Denver just because, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you can really blast it there. Um, yeah. Did you ever play at um, Pittsburgh, uh, Matt? No, where at? Uh, at Stillers Stadium at Heinz Field. At the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played, yeah, we've uh, we've played there a few times. There's like um, this like misconception, or or maybe it's the truth. I've I've only played it once in a college game, um, but they say like it's it's really tough to kick longer field goals. Do do you know like what the reasoning for that is? Well, well, um, I, I was well, you know, some place for instance, somewhere like like in Pittsburgh, uh, Chicago. Uh, Cleveland, um, especially Cleveland, when you start getting at the end of the year, you know, like you turn on TV, you know, like you see a grass, you see a green field. Well, at the end of the year, all that is is painted dirt. It's not really grass. Uh, oh, wow. So, so, so your footing, um, so it, you know, it's, it's real sandy, yeah. uh, loose. Uh, so you don't really have a, a, a chance to really like, you know, like, like plant and get on it. Um, and I was, and I guess, uh, I saw the stat the other day, and, you know, uh, Boswell, um, made a 53 yard to win it. And I guess that's the longest, 53 yards is the longest kick, uh, there at that stadium. Yeah. Uh, by him and my guess would probably be it was either Chris Brown or, or Jeff Reed, yep. um, that had it originally. Um, I, I would say though that, Part of it could be just timing. Um, you know, like if somebody had uh, uh, had a fifty-five yarder attempt in earlier in the year, where the field is still kind of firm and uh, the weather's not so bad, my guess would be that it's probably a whole lot more doable. But um, but I mean, you know, the, just depending on how the winds are in there, you know, it, it can make it uh, it can make it very interesting um, in that stadium. Got it. So, so Matt, just to spin out Ryan's question, you've been in the league for a while. Have you kicked in every single stadium? You know, for you know, I, I have. Yeah. So wow. last year, that's crazy. I remember um, <laughs> the only one that I haven't kicked in now is the new Viking Stadium. Okay. Uh, so hopefully, you know, the Super Bowl's there this year. So hopefully, I can cross that off. That's right next to where Chris lives, actually. <laughs> Nope. I'm hoping to figure out how to get there no matter what, you know, so uh, right. have that experience of seeing a Super Bowl, you know, in person. So that's, that's my backyard. So, Matt, we'll do one more question each. Um, this is just one for for definitely these younger kids, whether it be um, high school, college, or even these free agent guys. Uh, a lot of them are, are listening, or you know, and what, what would be your piece of advice um, technique-wise, uh, whatever you want to say, like, just to help out that younger kicker, punter, snapper? Um, I, you know, it, it's, too, I've seen two different philosophies as far as uh, guys kicking in the league. And, um, you, and, and it's a mindset. There's, you know, like for me, like, like I'm kicking the ball to kick it hard to like hit a good ball. Some guys go in with the mindset of they're kicking it to make it. So, um, for instance, like you may you 
may line up for a 30-yard field goal and kick it one way, and you may line up for a 45-yard field goal and kick it another way, and line up for a 55-yarder and kick it even harder. Um, whereas, I, like, for me, my philosophy is whether it's 20 yards or 55 yards, I'm going to kick it the same way. Um, so, my, my, you know, for me, I would say you treat every kick the same no matter what. That way you don't have to, like, think too much. You just kind of, like, do your thing and do it every time the same way. Um, so that would be my philosophy yeah. uh, to kids. I mean, you know, a, a coaching point for me is I don't, I don't necessarily try to kick it to the uprights. I'm trying to find a target up in the stand somewhere. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit that target, and, that, and that's my goal for every kick. I think that's great advice. Very good advice. Oh, that's great. Because so, they, kind of the last, they can always last question that we... from us, but when when they hear it from a guy that's been playing not only in the NFL but's been playing for as long as you have, you know that that hits home because there's several times Chris and I will say that you know like hey, treat this 45 yarder just like you would treat a 25 yarder right down the middle, you know. But when they hear that from someone that's been doing it at the highest level, you know I really think that pays off and, and helps them out. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you, you know, it's like. People ask me about, you know, what about the game winner? Like, well, you know what? If I didn't make that 25-yard kick in the first quarter, I wouldn't have had a chance to kick that game winner. So that's, you know, that's another thing uh, as far as trying to treat every kick the same way. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, Matt, just to, just one last question, and it's kind of a two-part question. And I'm sure every year for the last nine years you've been asked this, you know, do you, do you ever think about how many more years you got left and – and um, also, you know, as you reflect on your career, are there a few things you're, you're proud of, of like accomplishments or maybe records you've set over the years? What are, what, are, what are some things you think about now, you know, as you've been in this for a while? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, no, yeah, that, that's usually the big question that comes up now because, you know, I'm 42. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think I've got a couple more years in me. Uh, the thing for me is, as long as I'm, uh, as long as I can, you know, go out and compete and do my job, um, you know, like I can still go out and make it, you know, from 58, 60 yards. Um, you know, when I ever ever got to the point where they have to send out somebody else to go kick a 50 yarder type deal, then you know what? Then it's time for me to go, kind of thing. Um, the looking back on my career and, um, so I I would say that you, you know, my story was I graduated from Baylor in in December of 98. Uh, my rookie year in the NFL was 2002. So whenever I left Baylor in 98, I had a plan. Uh, yeah, I went back home. And I gave myself four years. I went back home. State, you know, I had my degree, had everything. Um, but I put my my life, so to speak, on hold as far as my, uh, you know, like getting a quote unquote, you know, like real job. Uh, I put all that on hold, and I gave myself four years. And I went back and I worked at the local pawn shop. Uh, the guy that owned the pawn shop was my t-ball coach. So he, you know, coming from a small town, everybody kind of knew my story. 
you know, he'd give me lunch breaks. Uh, I could take however long I wanted to, and I'd go to the local high school, and I would, you know, kick, always wait for that phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so luckily, going into the fourth year, I finally got a phone call, and, uh, you know, it was with the Giants. And, uh, you know, 16 years later, here I am. Um, you know, and there, there were times during that, during that four years where I was waiting for that phone call, um, you know, like I hadn't kicked in probably about two or three weeks and I'd just be driving down the road and, uh, you know, I'd ask myself, you know what, if, if you get a phone call tonight and somebody's going to fly you out for a workout tomorrow and you had not kicked in two or three weeks and you go out and have a bad day. You're going to be pretty upset with yourself because you know what? You told yourself you'd do everything you could in those four years to try to get to the ultimate goal. So I would literally stop, find, you know, open field that maybe had like a tree in it. And I'd pull up on the side of the road and, you know, I'd get the bag of balls out of the back of my truck and I'd get in that open field and, you know, and I'd kick at that tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did that a couple of times because, you know, there's, you know, you start going a couple of years and you start kind of doubting yourself or doubting the process. Right. Um, but, you know, I found a way to, you know, to get my kicks in for that day. Um, Cause you never knew that phone call was going to come. Um, so I would say, you know, that's probably been the biggest thing for me um, was the journey just to get to, just to get my foot in the door. Um, you know, as far as my records go, you know, there's there's some kicks that have been really big kicks that stand out in my mind. Uh, obviously, the 62 yarder to uh, to beat Philly in Tampa. Uh, the I think it's 2000. And, I can't remember what year it was. 2012, 2013. Uh, the 49 yarder to beat uh, the Seahawks to go to the NFC Championship game. Those are probably the two biggest kicks that I've been a part of. Um, and you know, now since I've been in Atlanta, I hold every franchise record. Um, that's great. That's, that's, that's possible here in Atlanta. <laughs> so those, those would probably be, you know, my biggest accomplishments. That's awesome. I just love the, um, the humbling interview here. Uh, just, you know, when, when asked what, what's, you know, one of the biggest things, that you could reflect back on and that you were successful at and hearing you just say, I gave myself four years and, you know, whenever I had that field just to drive by, go ahead and, and, and get some kicks in. I just, I think that hits home. And, and I think guys that are probably free agents and even college guys that are hearing that are probably loving that. I, I know I am personally loving hearing that from you. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I mean, it's about, you know, for me, it was just having a plan you know, doing everything I could within that four years. If it didn't work out, it didn't work out. It's just, I, I'd be able to move on um, knowing that I did everything I could. So, that, it was just, for me, it was having a plan. That's great. Well, Matt, we appreciate everything. You know, you've been in the game a long time. A lot of people know who you are, especially as, you know, as kickers. And I just love the, the insight you gave because, you know, sometimes nobody knows the grind or what it takes to, to have that longevity of a career or just be a kicker at that level. So I think all the listeners, listeners are going to just appreciate that insight. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and hope, hopefully, Matt, um, maybe in the offseason sometimes, and I know you and I talked about Pensacola one time, but uh, maybe um, Chris and I do a lot of camps, and 
I know these kids would love to be able to get to, to learn from you, and maybe we could link up sometime. All right, good deal. All right, awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much. All right, have a good evening, Matt, and good luck this weekend. I appreciate it. Thanks. Right. Yep. Take Bye, care. Guys. Wow, Brian. That was incredible. <laughs> I just absolutely loved that interview. You know, yeah. He gave us so much time and so much content and so much insight about what his life was like for one and how he just maintains his life and body and, and, and his perspective on everything. It's just incredible. So I hope a lot of our listeners can can gain some insight about that. What'd you think? Yeah, it was just such valuable information. I mean, from someone that's been, you know, that, that played two sports in high school and, and didn't know if he was going to go the baseball or football route. And then, you know, he kind of moved around a little bit his first couple of years and then ended up at Baylor. Just, just the whole story, him taking the time to, to speak with us for about 45 minutes, uh, it just, just shows how, how nice of a guy he is. And I really enjoyed the conversation, probably my, my best piece. I had many pieces that I really liked on it, uh, but just like reflecting back on, on our little interview we, or our, our long interview we just did, I would say my favorite was when he talked about how he would have the footballs in the back of his truck. And if he saw an open field, and, and this would be like during his three or four years, or so that he thought he was, where he was in a prep for the NFL. He would just find open field, you know, find a, an object or a landmark to hit at, and he would just pull those balls out and just start kicking whenever he could. So I, I really found that find that pretty fitting because that's something that that high school and college and free agent guys can relate to. Yeah, I love that story as well. That was that was great. What did you think about um, him talking about the 62-yarder and, and all that? Yeah, that was that was great. I remember seeing that kick when it happened, or at least the highlights of it. And so hearing him kind of recall the flow of it and how it led up to it, and I mean that was great, you know. And and then at the end, I I really liked hearing how he just his his thoughts and how he reflects on his career and and where he you know what he thinks it's all about and and just what the, the things he's proud of was was really cool to hear. Yeah, he's super humbled, and you know and. He's like got like a soft confidence about him, and he's he's still kicking great. I mean, he he hit the go-ahead field goal in his most recent game. You know, it was a, it was a longer kick, and he still has plenty of juice in the tank. And and Adam Vinatieri is definitely a legend. And and sometimes people often talk about Adam and and not Matt Bryant enough. And you know, Matt Bryant was in a Super Bowl last year, and it actually prevented him from being able to partake in the Pro Bowl. So it was kind of cool hearing him talk about that because it was an award that he – it was an honor that he would wanted to get his whole career. But he, he didn't complain. You know, he he said in our interview, he, you know, had to play in the Super Bowl. and want to win the Super Bowl, man. So um, – but, yeah, that was such an awesome interview. We really appreciate, uh, Matt, that you taking the time to talk with us and our listeners and, and giving some really good feedback and advice uh, uh, to these kids. Uh Chris, you have another thought on it? Yeah, one thing that I, I wanted to ask him, but I didn't because I just didn't know if he's aware of it. And you, you always kind of wonder, players that have been in the league for a long time, how close they are to certain records. But just an interesting take here. Um, as of today, uh, Monday, he is 18th overall in total points scored in the NFL or NFL history. And pretty much at that point, it's all kickers. I mean, he's eight, he's 18th, you know, and another 100 points gets him to the 14th, you know, and it's just that's that, a legacy right there. That's for all positions, though. That stat, yep. correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Total points scored in a career, 
And um, so as of today, he's he's 18th overall, which is amazing. What was, what was really cool, Chris, is when he when we asked him like, how long do you think you're going to be left in this? And he was like, he didn't really give us a number like one year or two years. Like he was he more so spun it in a way of, you know, I can still hit 58, 60 yards if need be, and when that time comes or I'm not putting out 50 yarders anymore, then it's my time to go. Like that was pretty cool perspective. I I just like how how simple and like confident he is in his perspective on on the kicking life exactly so hopefully you guys free agents maybe current athletes that are playing high school college guys you pick up a few tidbits nuggets of what he said and it can help you in the future so really appreciate that that's awesome all right so we're going to head transfer into our third segment which is industry advice we really like these segments because it's a chance an opportunity for chris and i to expound upon uh, valuable information to you guys, uh, whether it be um, parents or, or players or coaches or even just athletes or general listeners that want to learn more about special teams. Um, so this segment, we're actually going to be gearing more towards uh, how to find college coaches uh, for the high school and, and for the JUCO realm. But we're also going to talk about how maybe even to find uh, some arena coaches and, and NFL personnel and stuff like that too. So the industry advice, really a synopsis of it, is going to be about how can we, or how can you guys find these coaches? Yeah, exactly. So this right here, if, if you guys attend our camps, have in the past, or, or plan to in the future, we always do a segment about just the recruiting element of being a specialist. So this is a, a topic we love talking about. Um, you know, Brian and I have been doing this camp for six years together, or these camps together for six years. We've seen how things have changed. We've seen how it, how, how these types of things have benefited a lot of specialists. We've seen it backfire. So we got a lot of knowledge on it firsthand with guys that we've trained. So, Brian, I think first thing we should do, is we, we might as well uh, address social media. That's the hot topic these days. You know, there's rules for and against how you use it. So um, you want to hit Twitter or Facebook first? What do you want to do? Oh, let's talk about Twitter. So, um, Twitter, uh, guys, is is hot for y'all. I mean, if you guys want to get in touch with a college coach, you need to be on Twitter. Um, talk to your parents if you don't have one, if they have rules in your house about not being on Twitter. If you're, you know, a freshman and above, a specialist, athlete, just tell them, look, you guys can have my username. You can, you can have my password if you want. I'm just going to be strictly using Twitter as a recruiting profile. That's what we tell guys. You know, obviously they can use it to their personal liking, and that's up to them and their family. But, you know, if, if it were me, if I were to, to rewind 16, 17 years ago, and I had this option for me to use, I would treat this thing just like a recruiting profile, and I would be persistent and as proactive as possible to connect and network with college coaches and, and really just utilize this, this platform and Twitter to help leverage myself get a college opportunity. So. Yes, and what's and what's the nice thing for you guys as specialists? And there's there's so many recruiting rules out there with the NCAA, and and there's 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 blackout periods where or non no contact periods and, and contact periods. But Twitter is one of the few, if not only, social media handles where coaches, I believe, can talk to you 365 days days out of the year. Right, Brian? Yeah. So they they can connect with you. There may be like one or two days there somewhere in there where they can't because of like uh, right before signing day or something like that. But from all the college coaches that have talked to me and spoke to me and even the NCAA that 
I had conversations with them when Twitter all came out and everything uh, for college recruiting, is this is the, the best platform for them to connect with you, and now they, they can also text you as well. Um, but we also know that people, not only high school kids, but people like to be on Snapchat because then then your verbiage goes away in a DM chat unless you screenshot it. So so that's even a, a, a really nice platform to have to connect with college coaches. But on the flip side of that, you can really mess your life up if you post immoral stuff on your Snapchat, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, any other social platform where a college coach or someone within the administration can see what you're retweeting, what you're liking, what you're posting. So you just got to be really careful, guys. You may think that um, the the college personnel or NFL personnel, etc., aren't seeing, but I guarantee you they have a plan in place, especially with their five-star or four-star athletes, that they're making sure they're bringing high-character guys into their program. And so you have to make sure you're being very careful and smart with your social media presence, not only during your prep career, but during your college career and even even in your pro career or what you want to do in life. Chris and I both have to be careful with what we're posting on social media. You know, so um, it, it's the same thing. You know, we're essentially listening to our own advice and making sure we're held accountable because we got to be smart with what we're posting. Yeah. You know, there's a thing that, Brian, you always talk about when we do these discussions, and it's, and it's just the simple thought of reflecting on what you're about to do and just think, you know, maybe what would your parents think if they saw that? You know, would they be proud of you? Would they be ashamed? You know, you want to put good stuff out there and, and really show those college coaches that you are a good person, you know, and, and avoid doing the retweets or the likes of, of certain things. You know, maybe you think it's funny, but it probably wouldn't reflect well if you hit that like button and, and see it in that social media feed so just just be careful of that type of stuff yeah you know so on twitter uh, a really easy way to find college coaches um you really literally you can just type in their name uh obviously sometimes it's going to be tough finding certain people but if, if you if you type in a name and you see the coach that you're looking for all right uh, you obviously you want to follow that coach but there's a really cool um aspect of this if you type in a a college coach um, and you follow him, there'll be like a little thing that, that pops up that says who to follow or, or people that, that this person follows. It usually will show like three usernames and it shows their pictures and their names. And it typically will be other college coaches either that, it, that are on the team with them and or uh, our fellow coaches at other colleges. So I'll just sit there and once you like hit follow on those three, more usernames will pop up. And I'll, I'll essentially follow like 25 college football coaches like in a matter of like two minutes. So my game plan is depending on how much Twitter will allow me to follow and, fo- and unfollow and all that, which I'm not going to be really unfollowing, is I'm hoping that like if I follow 100 college football coaches, I'm hoping like 20, I'll get 20 followbacks or something like that, you know. And uh, a great strategy too is you can tweet out a video and tweet it to that coach and his tag just to get, get his attention because I guarantee you those guys are, are looking at their Twitter at least once a day um, because that's one of their main recruiting platforms. Yep, I agree. And tell you what, guys, if you want to get an easy jump start on Twitter, I, if you haven't created that account, uh, go follow Team Jackson Kicking and Special Teams FB. We actually have a really strong following of college coaches. So if you want to just check out our followers, obviously make sure you give us a follow, give us some love. Um, but then go follow some coaches that, that we follow, and that will help you get a little jump start. 
Yeah, so for example, a coach that just followed our National Kicking Rankings uh, Twitter handle, which is NKR underscore camps, um, was uh, you guys need to go to NKR underscore camps, hit the follow, and then see, look at the most recent followers, is uh, Coach Hauser out of, out of, out of um, Oklahoma State. He's a special teams coordinator that, have, that I have a really good connection with, and he's also looking at um, some of the 2018 kids and JUCO kids that both Chris and I have trained. Uh, so if you literally hit follow, if you follow him, all right, so I just I just got on a different account. I followed him, okay, and the people that says who to follow, it shows another coach that is at Oklahoma State, an assistant director of recruiting. So I just hit follow, boom, follow. And this other guy is the Oregon offensive coordinator, so obviously a coach that's at a different team. Well, I'm going to follow him, and then I'm going to go to his account, and then I'm going to see – who, who can I follow from his? And then there's three people that come up. Uh, running backs coach for Oregon. Um, another assistant coach for Oregon. And then Coach Hayward. Um, it looks like he's with Oregon. Doesn't say it in his bio. So, again, that's just a really easy way to do that. Like Chris said, you can literally go to our social accounts, Special Teams FB and Team Jackson Kick, and you can go to the people that are following us and or follow that we, have, we followed and just look for – that picture of the coach or that coach's name. And again, just be proactive, be persistent, tweet at them in a cordial manner, get their attention with really cool video, huddle film, highlights of your training. Uh, you just gotta be creative, you gotta be persistent, you gotta be proactive, especially specialists because um, we're already uh, kind of last on the list to get looked at unless we're the 1% the five-star kicker. The other 99% of us, we gotta just grind to, to get these guys to notice us because they're, they're trying to get the best quarterback, the best linebacker, the best safety out there. So um, if we already can do the work for them by reaching out to them and saying, hey, I'm a great kicker or, you know, hey, I've really been working on my craft. Check out my huddle film. Check out my YouTube video at this camp I just went to in Petal, Mississippi. You know, then, then that's going to engage with them and, and may end up landing you an offer. I agree. Now, same thing can be said on Facebook. Now, Brian's got a really good concept that he is still, that he's found. Um, it's it's very user friendly to search on Facebook, but all you really, really literally have to do is type in the word coach, and that 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 coach's first name, and you can find him on Facebook as well. Um, so a lot of coaches um, utilize Facebook as well. Obviously, Twitter is the one that you can utilize year round. But Facebook's another avenue where you can reach out, and it's almost easier to message them um, because sometimes those those accounts are protected where you can't really message them until they follow you back and all that sort of thing. But Facebook is another way to really reach out to those coaches as well. Absolutely. I was actually told by a kicker like six years ago. His name is Stephen Broccoli, and uh, he, he, did, he had a pretty good college career. And uh, he was actually the one when he was in high school that told me, hey, I'm reaching out to a lot of Facebook coach, Facebook uh, people, you know, finding coaches. And he, he sent me, like, a picture of all the coaches he was friends with on Facebook. And so I actually learned from a high school guy at the time, five or six years ago, to, hey, maybe maybe I should add some, some coaches. Next thing you know, I got, like, 2,000 coaches that I'm friends with on, on Facebook, our personal Facebook profiles, which you can add us, uh, Christopher Hughesby and uh, Coach Brian Jackson on Facebook. That's our personal Facebook and then when you and when you add us let us know we'll add you back and you can actually go to see in our friends list and you can actually search coach and then add those coaches 
Well, it's great. So let's just so let's just say you're trying to develop that Facebook social media presence. Um, are there any things we can do on Google to really search out a team or, or, or find contacts that way, Brian? Yeah, perfect. Great question, Chris, because so now, like, obviously we told you guys, hey, go find this coach on Twitter, this coach on Facebook. You need to know a name. That makes sense. So you can actually go onto Google, and the specific words that you want to highlight is football staff directory. And then all you have to do is put the college name or the university name before that in Google. So if you're interested in Louisiana Monroe, you literally could put ULM football staff directory. If you're interested in Mississippi State, you could type in Mississippi State football staff directory. If you're interested in Alabama, Alabama football staff directory. What that does is, is the top link, if not the top two links, you'll see an actual staff directory list. And that's for the university athletics typically. You click on that and you'll see an array of coaches and personnel and administration folks. You're wanting to scroll down until you see the word football, and then you'll see a laundry list of names that are football coaches. There is where, depending on the, um, the team, the coaches, the website, etc., you'll see uh, specs, I call it, or information. And um, you really want to look for which coaches, Chris, which coaches do you want to look, look for when you hit that football staff directory? Well, initially you want to find the special teams coordinator. You know, that's that's the guy that's going to be your, your coach, your boss, in a way, um, when you're on the roster. So he's a great guy to lead lead and reach out to. Um, the quality control special, or quality control coaches are good ones to reach out to. You know, as Brian always says, um, you know, those are the guys that do a lot of the grunt work. And so if you reach out to them, introduce yourself, they look at your film, you know, they're going to find a lot of pride in recommending you, hopefully, to that, that special teams coordinator or the head coach and, 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 and find you as their lead to that school. So those are good guys to reach. Uh, director of player personnel, you know, anything that talks about personnel. Um, some things that I've done in the past is if I couldn't find the right guy to talk to, maybe I reached out to the receivers coach and said, hey, coach, um, just wanted to see if you were the person that, that was in charge of recruiting specialists. And, and sometimes they say, no, it's not me, but you can contact Coach XYZ. So things like that have helped in the past in terms of reaching out to coaches because you guys have to do it. We do it as well. We try to help out the specialists that we've trained, um, get that extra connection. So um, so those are some of the things that have helped us up on Google. Yeah, and, so, and definitely don't forget about the recruiting coordinator too. Uh, some staff that you'll see in the directory, it won't say a special teams coordinator. Um, and that's sometimes because uh, the head coach will divvy up the different special teams units to different coaches, and they just might not have someone labeled as the coordinator. Um, also, uh, there are several staffs out there, especially when the D D1AA, D2 route, and it goes with the same with D1A, where um, certain coaches have certain regions. So if there's a coach that his forte uh, of working with people is from – uh, South Georgia, you know, that might be the O-line coach. Well, he's going to be looking at every single position. So there's potential for that, too, where you have to find out, um, hey, coach, which which coach is actually recruiting specialists so I make sure I can get in contact with them. You guys got to ask them. You guys got to contact these coaches and, and don't be afraid to engage in a conversation. Great. Third piece, the last little piece we want to touch up on, you found the coach, now what? So let's just say you want to shoot him a quick email. What are, Brian, 
maybe three little pieces of information that these guys can take and utilize if they want to email a coach. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, the subject line is really important. Okay, actually, let me let me retract. When you send the email is important. Um, coaches stay in their office sometimes till 8, 9 p.m., 10 p.m. at night, and they go back home to their families, and then, and then they're back in the office at 5 a.m. Uh, it's, it's just crazy how much these guys work so hard and how many hours they work. So I would say one is sending the email at a, at a specific time. I would send the email late at night, like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., uh, depending on your studies and all that. So that way, when he wakes up in the morning and he gets to his office, the first email out of five potential emails, maybe, is your email. So I would say the timing of the email is important. On the actual email, number two, I would say the subject is very important. Um, I've seen different different ways of doing it. You could put in capital letters, um, you know, uh, especially with our new rankings, four-star kicker huddle highlights. Or you could put game if you had a game winner or if you just wanted to say um, 2019 class kicker punter Alabama. Um, just something that'll that'll catch their eye. You know, so I've seen a lot of kickers actually use capital letters just to catch their eye. That's effective. So that's number two. Number three, when you're actually in the body of the email, keep it short, sweet, and simple. Now, I'm not talking about just two lines, you know, but we don't need to send a whole report card, uh, a five-page, you know, report on this. You just need to, hello, coach, if you're addressing it to one individual coach, Coach Johnson, and then have one or two lines of, of, of a nice cordial statement of saying, hey, Coach, I'm really interested in your program. This is where I kick at. So, you know, all your specs, your high school, your grad class, your GPA, your, S, your ACT, SAT scores, um, your, your coach's information. So that way, if, you're, if that coach wants to contact uh, your coach, you provide that information. And then have a little middle paragraph that, that talks about your season. Have some uh, huddle links, YouTube links, um, some of your stats, uh, whether it be at a camp or at, at, during your season and or during your season. And then have a nice one or two sentence to end it. Just a short, sweet, keep it simple, stupid type email. That way um, a coach doesn't open up an email and see a huge, huge email. He's not going to read it probably unless you're, unless you're highly recommended. He's not going to read this whole long report. Uh, but if you keep it short, sweet, and simple and provide the information he needs, I would say those are the top three things uh, to answer your question, Chris. Great. Uh, great explanation. Uh, Listeners, we hope you guys like this information. Um, you know, this is advice. Sometimes you have to pay recruiting services to find out, and we're giving it to you, so hopefully you appreciate it. Hopefully it gets you the ball rolling, because now high school seasons are pretty much done with at this point. So now is the point when you really want to start uh, reaching out to them. You, you have time now because the season is not done. So hopefully you like this. And if you can, guys, you know, share, the, share this podcast with your friends, you know, uh, let them know some of the information that, that they could learn from it because, I, you know, we would love it. You know, we love the feedback we've been getting off this thing. And, and we think uh, we've heard that this, this third segment of our inter, of our podcast are probably the most popular um, aspect of what we do. And then, obviously, kids really love the interviews that we do, too. Yeah, I tell you what, since we've spoken to 22 college coaches is what we counted uh, over the last three days, um, Chris and I have spoken to a little over 20 college coaches, 23 to be exact. You know they're all they're watching our Twitter traction. So what we want you guys to do is during this last 20-minute segment of industry advice, 
tweet at us, special teams FB and or Team Jackson Kick, tweet at us one thing you learned in this last 20-minute segment. If it was, man, I didn't even think about it on um, finding them on Google staff directory. Or, you know, some, I want you guys to listen to this podcast, even if you have to rewind it a little bit. Tell us what you learned in the last 20 minutes. Tweet at us, uh, whether it be the fourth down experience, Twitter, special teams FB, Team Jackson Kick. We'll actually quote your tweet and put your information, and we'll tweet it out on our personals. So that way these college coaches can see that not only are you guys specialists and you're talented, but you're also engaging in a podcast that is very informative on special teams. Yep. And guys, we know that most of you listen to this podcast on your phone, so you can listen to it while you surf your phone. So, Brian, let's give them five seconds and, and let them quickly go follow us and, and, and comment towards us. So let, we'll give it five seconds before we wrap this thing up. All right, awesome. Hey, appreciate the follow, and like Brian said, we will retweet and quote and all that sort of thing if, if you let us know what you liked and learned uh, from this podcast. Yep, guys, and on iTunes, literally, fourth down experience, hit the subscribe button. Let's get this thing to 1,000 total listens on our five episodes. Uh, we really appreciate your support. And, again, uh, we cannot wait um, to hear your guys' feedback uh, about Matt Bryant's interview. And, and, again, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Yep. Wanted to just address one last thing, fellas. Um, the cool thing that we've seen in just the last podcast or two, we've had people actually contact us about wanting to attend our camps. So we obviously just wrapped up our camp in, in Mississippi here. Uh, for those of you that might be in the Midwest area, uh, this Sunday, this weekend, December 17th, Brian's going to be flying up to Minnesota. We're going to run a three-hour mini camp training session. So if you're within this five-state area and want to attend, just shoot one of us a DM. We'll give you the details, but it's it's Sunday, December 7th, or sorry, 17th. Um, and then in January, we'll be ha holding our uh, Capstone uh, Winter Camp. We call it our Northern Specialist Camp, our fifth annual, held in St. Cloud, Minnesota, on January 12th and 13th. Um, and then uh, we just announced recently, I think we did it more of our last podcast, but it's more official now, um, we'll be running a camp, I believe it's February 4th in Orlando, Florida, and then February 10th in Atlanta, Georgia. So um, just go follow us, mention it to us. We will send you those registration links as well, or just go to each of our websites to get more details. Yeah, Atlanta's going to be a big camp. Orlando's going to be a great camp, but, uh, you know, should be decent weather. Cross our fingers. Um, so check out those camps, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Yep. Yep, peace guys. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.